You're listening to the Boho Business Guide, the podcast dedicated to redefining wealth. I'm your host, Olamide Michelle, attorney, yogi, and professional brand builder. If you're a big dreamer and on a mission to make your visions a reality, then you've come to the right place. I'll be sharing my personal experiences, conversations with other experts, and quick tips for more wealth and success in your business. So grab a pen and paper or get inspired on the move. It's time to experience the Boho Business Guide. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for listening. This is the Boho Business Guide podcast, and today I have a very special guest. As you guys know, I've been interviewing so many impressive female entrepreneurs, and I think this episode is going to be particularly interesting, especially for my fellow attorneys out there. I'm talking about all of you who are licensed practicing attorneys, but maybe you've been looking to do something different. Maybe you're finally getting that itch to start your own law firm. So I have Tammy Sharembade here with us today to talk about her journey as an attorney, her journey as an entrepreneur, and really just a unique individual who's learned to pivot during many different, you know, life crises, life events, life blessings. So without further ado, Tammy, why don't you tell everyone about yourself? Well, hello, and thank you, Michelle, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And um, well, yeah, you've said a lot about kind of the highlights of some of the things that I've done, but I've had the opportunity to pivot in lots of different ways. Um, we met back, we've, we've known each other for over 10 years. <laughs> and we met back in undergrad. And then I was, um, I was an English major. And when I graduated from the University of Georgia, I moved to Texas and I actually was a teacher for a number of years. And after a while, my heart wasn't, my heart wanted to do work, but not in that way. I still cared about the communities that I served, but I felt like I could serve them in another capacity. And so, like you mentioned, I had to pivot. And I went back to school, went to law school and finished there. And when I finished law school, I actually was doing immigration work with an immigration attorney. And I was trying to, you know, tap into, I guess, my cultural background. I'm Nigerian American, first generation. And I really wanted to see, okay, maybe I can serve this community, but my heart wasn't in it. And so I pivoted again. (laughs) Um, And I kind of settled into what I thought then I was most passionate about. um, And that was criminal defense. And so I started my own firm. Um, At the time in Houston, we have a really awesome criminal defense market in the sense of when we talk about attorneys that are out here. Um, But the advice that they say generally is you're not going to find a firm to join if that's the work that you want to do. You basically have to strike it out on your own. And so that was the choice that I was given. I did that, found some great mentors um, and started to build out my criminal defense practice. While I was doing that, you know, people started to hear, hey, Tammy is a lawyer. She does this, she does that. And so people would ask me legal questions, but most of my immediate community was filled with entrepreneurs and small business owners. And they would constantly ask me questions. And at first I was really insecure about providing those answers because I just was unsure, uncertain, you know, something I wasn't familiar with. And I would actually hold back. But then there was this incident that happened where one of my friends was telling me about something that occurred and it seemed like a really basic mistake. It was so simple. And I felt bad because I had the knowledge that could help her, but my insecurities were stopping me from sharing it and from being a source and from being helpful. And so that began another pivot for me 
You know, how can I serve the people who are around me who have immediate needs? I discovered that there was this group, and I think Michelle has discovered that as well, that there's this group of young entrepreneurs who are trying to build something valuable, right? Trying to do something new, but they don't have guidance. They don't have that legal support often. Um, it seems as though it's been overlooked. You know, if you're not a big corporation, you know, there's no one to represent you. And if you're not, you know, I guess looking for either immigration, you have immigration issues or some type of running into the law, there's no market to kind of really serve your needs. Um, and so again, I discovered that, started building out more content, more help, more support for business owners. And, you know, it, it, everything has kind of shifted. Um, I, I found that most of my practice now focuses on business law. Um, but for me, I could go on and on, but I'll just tell you this last part. Um, for me, one of the cool things, <laughs> yeah, because again, I've had to pivot so many times that if that's what we want to talk about, like, I'm here for it. Um, but one of the things for me was, you know, I said that I started to do criminal defense work and I actually have a really big passion for that community, specifically indigent who can't afford representation. And although I don't practice exclusively in that area anymore, and it's really a, a small fraction of my cases, I find that I'm in a position to kind of support the causes that are most valuable to me by focusing on harnessing the areas of my strength. And I think that's something that, you know, we don't always talk about is what are the different avenues to kind of. Um... Yeah, no. So that's amazing. I mean, I honestly didn't even know all of those fun facts. And it's really interesting to hear how your legal journey sort of took different turns and grew upon different experiences and revelations that you had. So congratulations. I think focusing on business law and the contracts and the different areas that can really help an entrepreneur or a small business owner is a very lucrative field. And it's also very rewarding because sometimes I think when you're in a legal practice, you get, you know, pitch the more traditional roles that we can yeah. help the indigent client. As you mentioned, we can go to court, we can be a litigator. And that's what you see on television. That's what you see on movies. But there are a lot of attorneys who are really just and I shouldn't, you know, I always want to take out that word just because that almost diminishes the uh, the prestige or diminishes the qualification because being a transactional attorney, being an advisor, being someone who helps someone eliminate going to court is almost more important than the person who's helping you when you're, once you're already in court. Absolutely. So I that's per personally why I enjoy that area of law because you're using your creativity, you're utilizing your skill set, but you're doing it in a way that I would like to argue is less stressful. Um, I took a slight um, temporary attempt at being in the criminal space, being in the public interest space. And my sensitive behind was like crying when something sad would happen to a mother and her child. I couldn't handle it for more than one semester of like free work. So I was like, yep, this is <laughs> not my calling. <laughs> I'm like, keep it together. You're supposed to be the attorney, the advocate. And I'm like, oh my God, this is horrible. <laughs> you know, like I just couldn't handle it. So yeah, it's tough, you know? And I guess my question then for you, because you brought up some really important things at first with like imposter mm. syndrome. And that's something I try to help my friends and community eradicate from their mind. Um, because I'm guilty of it too, feeling like you're not, 
prepared, you're not qualified to handle something. What would you advise someone who, you know, they've gone to school, they have a degree, maybe they've had a few jobs here and there, but they don't feel like they are an expert and someone wants to hire them to do something? You know, I I love this question. And like you said, so many of us go through this. And honestly, we have to, it, it sounds cliche, but it's kind of true. Fake it till you make it. And this is the reason why I say it. I hate to bring up cliches, but if they're true, then let's follow them. Um, <laughs> you know, if it's applicable, because they're the most successful people, the people that we look up to. So, for example, I've mentioned this on another thing last week. I love Michelle Obama. Right. She's for many of us. She's in the epitome of like style, grace, intelligence, you know, got it all together. Um, she went through imposter syndrome. And so what you end up realizing is that what you feel doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. And you have to be able to act beyond what you feel, right? And just go out there, go out there. And listen, the truth is, let's say you are unprepared, but you didn't realize it and you've gone out there. Well, you will learn certain lessons by trying that you'll never learn by holding back. And you know, it's just yeah. super important. My, I have um, someone who, someone close to me, my family, who's working on a project with some people and they had to hire developers and they went through and they were, took them a while to find this developer and the, the relationship has kind of dissolved between the developer and the um, company, right? And the person has their regrets, but they were telling me recently, they were like, listen, what everybody says about entrepreneurship is true. There are certain things you don't learn until you're actually in the middle of it. And it's okay. And so the person's already like, okay, my next contract, it's got to have this, 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 and this. I'm coming to you before this. I'm going to make sure that I'm not doing anything like this. They're learning those lessons. And you have to be comfortable with the fact that, that, that it requires this amount of vulnerability. Like you're required to take these risks. You're required to step out even when you don't feel confident. And then there are going to be instances where you step out and you do feel confident and you enjoy those situations and you give back to the other folks around you when those um, options or when those things occur, because that's the mixed bag of entrepreneurship. That's the mixed bag of success. You really can't have one without the other. So. Wow. Yeah, that is really great advice. Thank you so much for that. Because I think what you said about you had skills that you weren't capitalizing on. So sometimes you don't realize that the stuff that you feel is easy or obvious is actually highly valuable and necessary for someone else to gain that understanding from you as the expert. So it's been such a great journey. Um, Right now, I think I'm on the cusp of another pivot. I've been able to kind of add to my entrepreneurship bag. So I'm also working with um, another company that helps attorneys uh, develop kind of business content. And and the company actually focuses more on estate planning work, but I get to assist them there. So I have like this wider network of impact, starting from this place where I felt really insecure, but seeing, okay, the little that I put out there was actually a lot more and I had been devaluing it. So it goes directly to what you were talking about where other people saw it and they were like, oh my gosh, this is important. Thank you for sharing it. More attorneys need to hear this. More people need to hear this. Um, and so the reason why I say I think I'm on the cusp of another pivot is based off of just life happenings um, that are also shaping and molding kind of the way I look at things. Uh, for me personally, I just uh, experienced a loss in my family. My father passed away uh, at the end of last year. And 
going through that experience and working with the attorneys that I work with who are who do estate planning and business law um, has really got me thinking about legacy. Um, and I think that for a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of attorneys, a lot of people who are out there, it's something that's at the forefront of our mind, but or not at the forefront of our mind. I think it's something that's in our mind, but we often don't create space for it. And but there's a there's a desire. Like everybody wants to be great and people are always thinking about well, what will I be remembered for? But I don't know if there's that intentional planning aspect um, from a financial perspective, from a legal perspective, from a business perspective, right? All of these things that you can put in place in order to kind of secure or at least be intentional about your legacy. And so I've been considering adding another practice area um, estate planning specifically to my practice in order to kind of meet those different needs um, and also fulfill that 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 role for me personally, because I know what it's like to lose someone um, and what stress that looks like and trying to figure out and kind of navigate just the legalities behind it. And it's it's a lot. <laughs> um, so I'm on. Yeah. So I'm on, on yeah. the cusp of another uh, pivot. I'm not quite there yet. I am putting, a, you know, going forward and trying to get the resources together. And I mean, this all of our conversations about imposter syndrome. You know, Michelle is a super prepared person, so it's never ever to diminish the role of being prepared. But sometimes it gets to a point where we're just like planning and just holding ourselves back. So I'm, I am in the actual planning phase. I, I will not get stuck there, <laughs> despite how, you know, I might not be perfect yet. Um, you know, and, and we have resources, you know, we can go and we can ask other people who have gone before us. I think that's one element of imposter syndrome, too, that we don't necessarily always tap into or just when you're trying to grow and establish something, um, we can get really insecure about asking other people for help. But I'll tell you right now in this pivot or transition period for me, I've been joining groups about this area of the law I want to get into. I'm asking people questions about it. I've told folks, hey, you need to teach me this. You need to teach me that. Um, and then they can also just kind of support and navigate and kind of say, oh, yeah, here's this and give feedback. So that's kind of what's going on on my end. Wow, that's awesome. And first, I want to say I'm so sorry for your loss. I can only imagine how difficult that is, but I admire your grace, your confidence, and also just really love how you're continuing to grow and succeed in so many new areas. So this is really awesome that you're finding a way to take a personal experience to create a legacy and then also help other people. Even right now, you know, we're recording this in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, right? And I was listening to someone sharing and they said that this season for the world is just reminding us that this world is not permanent, right? And it's something that all of us, I think, should really consider, you know, and think about. And I know I'm just, I'm going to get a little bit more personal, but just even for me from a, a faith-based perspective, that it's just something for me that I consider um, just knowing that this is not permanent. And I think when we recognize that our time is limited, it also creates a sense of urgency that even if I don't feel fully prepared, even if I'm not perfect, like this is all I have, right? 
this is the chance that we have. And so like, you know, Michelle, you and I were talking about this and I just love this podcast. Like I'm inspired. I listen to it and I'm like, yes, let's go out there. You know, let's, let's all go out there boldly. Um, and it, it's okay if, you know, there's two people who are doing the same thing or three people doing the same thing, because listen, the world has vast needs, <laughs> right? Um, there's a, and there's so many of us yeah. who are not stepping up uh, that those of us who have even an inkling to do so, I feel like have almost a responsibility to do so at this time in this season of our world. I love that you've been enjoying the episode. So that's always so exciting to hear. And everything you're saying just resonates so much with me. And I think, you know, the more we start to realize that, like you said, time is limited, maybe that's just the kind of kick in the butt everyone needs like maybe that's what we need and if you feel like getting personal <laughs> girl we love personal on the podcast so I think the more personal we get the more real other people feel that we are and also like you know you feel more inspired listening and talking with people who you can relate to and who are being authentic so I really appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing all these personal details because you're really going to help someone who is listening and you know kind of like going into a new topic, I guess we'll get more spiritual before we get back to the tactical stuff. I want to know how do you define wealth? Because that ties into legacy, but it also can be defined in so many incredibly unique ways. Oh, that is how such a good it? question. How do I define wealth? Wealth is, it's, you know what? I think that wealth is probably subjective, right? Let's start off there because you have to understand what's important to you. Like some people really, really, really value a lot of money in the bank. I want money in the bank, but it's not just to have money in the bank. Like it's for impact. It's to do something with it. But I think you have to be honest with yourself. So if so, wealth for me is having the freedom and the ability to support um, and nurture the things that are most important to me. Right. So I have in my mind goals um, giving goals, um, impact goals, freedom goals. I want to be able to travel and cause I know what traveling does for my spirit. Like I know how inspired I am when I get to learn and explore. Um, like what I was telling you with the, with, with the criminal defense, I know some amazing organizations that are doing some awesome work. And I want to be someone who can write the check to help them continue to do that work, right? So that's wealth for me. I want to be able to help my family. You know, we're in a really unique situation, like I said, with the passing of my father. And I'm more conscious of like, just, I want to take care of my mom. She's fine. She's strong. She's awesome. But I'm just very sensitive to the fact that she's my only remaining parent, you know? And so those are the ability to kind of do that is wealth. And then wealth is also like future ori oriented for me too. Like when we talk about impact, um, just being able to say that this continues on beyond me. So I'll throw in something. When, when my father passed at the same time, there was this, um, this faith-based community. Um, there's this pastor, Dr. Tony Evans, his wife had cancer and his wife passed away in December. My dad passed away in November. And I was so encouraged by their family. Um, but what was so cool to me was watching that this lady had passed on, but I was hearing her story and it was moving me and it was impacting me and it was still giving to me after she passed. And I was like, yo, 
what is that? Like, I want to do that. I want to be that type of person. I want to live that type of life. Like that is wealth to me. Like you have the ability and the foresight to, 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 to live in such a way that your living continues beyond you and continues to make an impact. And it, and it can happen through your giving too. Like you're like financially, like if some people set up endowments and they set up these foundations, these things that even after the person passes on continues, that's, you, you can hear me getting excited because oh, that's, yeah. that's wealth. Like that's, that's where it's at. Um, and then, I mean, again, it's just making that difference in our communities. And I'm going to go in a little bit of a circle because I just want to press in onto certain things, because I think even as entrepreneurs, sometimes when we try and make money, we are it, it can be uncomfortable to talk about whether you should make money. Like I know one thing I saw people asking or people posting is like, oh, should I charge during the pandemic? You know, should I should I continue my business? Like people need you to continue your business. For example, if you're somebody who employs other people, you are uh, allowing someone to earn a livelihood because of the work that you do. Like, don't forget those little things. Like, it's important for us to do work. It's important for us to make money because money is necessary to help other things. It's where our, I, what I'm trying to say is our entrepreneurship is not an isolated goal or or project in and of itself. When I talk about, why I, I'm pivoting or switching a little, I switched from criminal defense to more business. It was really because I remember when Philando Castile was killed. And I remember going to the courtroom the next day and recognizing that me being a criminal defense attorney was not going to be enough to empower my community so that things like that weren't going to continue to happen. Right? Like that's the real story behind all of that is just understanding that when you look at the criminal defense world, it's, it's really about poverty right? <laughs> and it's about these other communities that have been others and been ostracized and do, have been disenfranchised and have no money. So I'm like, okay, let's go and build our businesses. Let's go ahead and have some economic development. I'm not saying it's going to solve all of our problems, but again, this is wealth. This is the stuff that makes the difference. So obviously I have like 15 billion, you know, tangents I could go on to when we talk about stuff like this. <laughs> oh, we'll have to We'll have to do a part two for you, definitely. But no, I think that is everything you just said is miraculously so true. You know what I mean? Like, it might feel like you're saying all these different things. It might feel like it's disjointed, but it's not. And at the end of the day, like you said, wealth is subjective. Yeah. So it's really like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And I don't think there's a wrong definition. I think it's just beautiful to hear the various definitions that we all hold and keep dear to our hearts. So thank you for sharing that. And I find it very inspiring, you know, the whole concept of creating wealth by starting at the beginning and, you know, building our economy, building yeah. different business entities so that people can have access to better lifestyles and resources. It's kind of like saying, you know, getting rid of certain problems by starting at the home. You're almost like the home of the heart of a lot mm. of issues for people. So I find the correlation to make total sense. And I really just want to ask you one more question, especially for someone who, you know, I talk a lot about business. I talk about money mindset. I, you know, I talk about motivation and goal setting and how to organize your life. These are all important, but what is something practical you could tell specifically a lawyer who wants to start a law firm, a legal Get mentors or access to resources in the field that you want to work in. Um, I think about, 
business has having different facets and you have your marketing, right? Reaching out to people. You have your financials, so money, being able to spend money to get things. Um, but I also think there's a portion about your product, right? Like, and your product is your knowledge. Your product isn't in documentation, but it is your knowledge and how you communicate that knowledge. Um, and all of those different facets have to be things that you're continuously working on. So I would say, and maybe I just touched, instead of one, I gave three, right? You want to make sure your money is on point because it's cost money to make money. Um, it's it's really important to to start figuring out how can I finance this, this transition. Um, you want to be thinking about your marketing. How can I connect with the audience that I want to serve? And then you want to be thinking about your products, your knowledge. How can I package my knowledge in a way that the audience I'm serving can best receive it? And I think everyone needs a mentor, but I think with lawyers, because you spend all this time and money in law school, we might overlook getting a legal mentor. So I think your first tip is definitely extremely valuable. If you're a lawyer and you want to start your own business and you feel like, well, I haven't gotten a lot of experience, I've seen it done. People have gone straight into owning a firm and they've actually been pretty successful within the first year to three years. And it's not impossible to do. But every single time mm -hmm. people have mentors, they have other legal contacts and friends and communities that they can ask those tough questions, they can get advice, they can access certain resources, like you mentioned. So yeah, thank you. I think that is important to remind anyone who wants to open a business and especially lawyers who want to start their own law firm, because there's so many other like regulations and ethical codes and different things you have to keep up with. And then on top of like actually running the business, the marketing, and then making sure you understand how to apply the law. So <laughs> it lot. is a lot. It is a lot, but it is doable. And it's, it's something that you realize one of my friends told me to remember that we're in the practice of law. We're practicing. Right. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Tammy. I really appreciate you sharing your time with us. I really hope this inspires, you know, those entrepreneurs listening, whether you're in the beginning, whether you uh, have already been in business and you're just looking for some inspiration, some growth. www.toslegal.com. You can also follow me on social media at toslegal um, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm on, I'm on all of those except for TikTok. I'm not going to get on TikTok. I'm not going to get a Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so did you enjoy this episode? If you did, you can actually show your support and help me reach more listeners by rating and subscribing to this podcast. I really appreciate the feedback. And if you want to share your favorite clip or episode on Instagram, be sure to tag me at the Boho Business Guide and I can feature you back. Until next time, stay boho. It's different.